So hi everyone, this is Andy Goodman from Grizzly Peaks Radio, and I'm here with a very special guest, and I have a very special, um, well, bonus episode, let's call it. So we're doing a, a little ser- series, a mini-series, which is a little bit about the production of the podcast, and we will be talking to collaborators and stars and maybe even some people that have inspired the podcast. We'll see where we get to with this. And we'll be releasing these periodically. Um, The inspiration for doing this was coming to the end of the Surrey Enigma series. Um, We've already um, completed it, um, the editing and everything. Haven't released it fully yet. Uh, Still a couple more to go. But um, it made me think a little bit about what went into the production of that and also what we could potentially do in future. And I've also, if you've listened to the previous bonus episode, I've been very much inspired by some very well put together horror podcasts and horror audio in general. And we're going to talk about that a bit today. And the person I've brought along, or cajoled into joining me, is um, my co-conspirator, TJ Drennan, who is the editor and sometimes star of uh, Grizzly Peaks Radio. So, hi, TJ. How is it going, Grizzly Peaks Radio folks? <laughs> um, it's wonderful to be here, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, we've had a lot of conversations over the past that we've, some of which we have um, broadcast, some of which have remained locked in the vault. So, I think today we're going to probably be as serious as we've ever been on a on a on a chat, aren't we? On a fireside chat. I get the feeling that's the direction it's going. <laughs> this is this is this which is, which is actually for us. It's yeah, that's saying something for us, right? Because generally, yeah. when we're anywhere close to microphones at the same time, it gets pretty silly pretty quickly. It 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 does indeed. What are you drinking there, TJ? Brandy. Brandy. I, I, that's brandy. a big-ass glass of brandy you got there. It sure is. It's, it's a Texas-sized so, glass of brandy. <laughs> um, I, I, I have not had a drink for... I think this is the longest I've ever gone without having a drink that I can remember, <laughs> which is kind of sad because it's only a week and a half. But, <laughs> but still, that that's um, I, I honestly can't remember the last. And I'm not doing it because I'm I'm trying to kind of reduce the alcohol. I'm doing it because I'm on diet because I'm, I'm I'm trying to lose weight. And and beer is just I mean, empty calories. So yeah, but brown you know, alcohol doesn't count. It's a damn shame. I just don't like drinking spirits really anymore or liquor. I suppose uh, we should call it as we're in America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay in cocktails, but I don't really like neat liquor anymore. I used to kind of like it. Yeah, I've, I've just become a wimp in my old age. So <laughs> we're already veering off, we're massively <laughs> off tangent here. So so let's get back to the point. So you've heard my first bonus episode, which actually only released a few hours ago. So thank you for making the effort to listen to that. Because I think this really tees up this conversation because we were exchanging some messages earlier today or yesterday i can't remember when exactly and it occurred to me that we aren't really making a horror podcast exactly no 
Um, hmm. It has horror elements, and at its base, it's you know a mythos Lovecraftian story, ostensibly. But I mean, honestly, it's like you said, it's kind of comedy or comedic, or there's an element of slapstick and humor to everything, generally. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that stuff. You know, I the reason we're even sitting here talking about this is because of a very funny Call of Cthulhu horror actual play podcast, How We Roll. Um, I don't think, if I hadn't become a fan of that, I don't think it would have ever occurred to me to record um, our actual plays and turn it, or our game sessions rather, and turn it into an actual play. And if I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been working together and we certainly wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. So so it is comes from that sort of inspiration of, of making horror comedy because I personally think, and I've talked about this on my, um, my uh, other podcast, Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, I talked about this in the past about how horror and comedy go together. They can go together really well in both stories and in gaming. Because in a way, horrible things happening is sort of almost the basis of comedy. <laughs> Just depends how yeah. horrible it gets. Yeah, like if, if you're watching The Three Stooges and the injuries matched the things they were doing to each <laughs> other, it would be horrific, right? So yeah. it's, it's all based in that same sort of like pain is funny uh, sort of mentality. But also, I think something I've, I've brought up to you in the past is that we also sort of, when things get serious in the podcast, that's when we have the biggest tendency to start laughing and sort of break that tension and break that mm. break out of that drama. And um, that's kind of a shame, right? Because we you've, you, we spend the time building up to this gory um, finale <laughs> and then everyone kind of laughs because laugh is a defense mechanism too. Like laughter is a defense mechanism. So there's part of it is just that when we get to this dramatic, eerie, grotesque place, we naturally try to play that off through laughter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. And perhaps it's my reluctance to fully go into the horror because I'm not sure whether the players will like it. Well, that's one explanation. The other explanation is I don't know how to do it. I think it's, it's, I think it's hard. I think it's much harder to evoke real horror than it is to get a laugh by saying something silly. Um, yeah, and I, I think there's really something to the, you know, laughter comes from um, animal fighting play. Um, hmm. Animals, dogs, uh, chimps, whatever, go into like fighting behaviors, but it's play fighting and laughter lets, each, lets them know that it's, <laughs> um, it's for play. And that's the same kind of thing we're doing is, you know, if you have someone getting their brains eaten and then you kind of kind of snicker a little bit at the end, like, or, or give a little snort, like kind of like, <laughs> it just kind of lets them know, Hey, it's not real though. Right? Like, um, this is, this is just for play. This is just for pretend. Um, and that's, that's sort of a human contract thing that we're doing together to like, make sure that people at the table playing the game are okay, where it's, it's really kind of hard, especially with us being all virtual now to know that without being able to look around the table at everyone's face and know that they're okay with the situation. So I think it's almost an instinctive thing to put that little bit of laughter in there now and then to kind of break that tension. Um, 
And maybe there's something to that. If, if you wanted to go the route of really intensifying things that maybe you would have to get people that you were really comfortable with being honest with you if something did cross a line or something mm. was too uncomfortable for them. Because it just seems like that's just a natural, it's a natural piece of communication. Not really verbal, yeah. but audio communication. Yeah, I think I think there's that aspect that you need to ensure that they're okay with it. But I think you also need to then have the, the reverse contract, if you like. You need them to be fully willing to go into their personal horror. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not about what it – sh- it really isn't about what the GM describes. That's not where the horror lies. The horror lies in the reaction of the, of the, the people enduring the horror. I think. Interesting. Yeah, the horror lies in the reaction. So I think one of the best people I've seen play that is um, your friend Nikki, who hmm. played in King in Yellow. Yeah. Um, at um, embodying that character and in her character, I don't remember her character's name in that, but the way she would play to the horror and gasp when things would happen and things like that, the way she would emote those things verbally um, is really to me like kind of the perfect style of play. If you really want to play Cthulhu or Lovecraftian stuff is to have a bunch of players like her. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not going to be madcap and silly. It's going to be people really playing to their inner, like you said, play to that inner horror, really embracing the horror and letting themselves, at least if you pretend to be scared long, enough, if you pretend to be something long enough, you'll actually become that. Right. So mm-hmm. like that pretending to be scared, will will get, will start to, actually elevate your heart rate and things and actually get you into that mindset jenny i think she played yes yes jenny. Name. so yeah um and without being um playing favorites or anything here um we've talked about not supposed about, to mention names well no it's all right um <laughs> because I, I get different things from different players and, and different players have different strengths. And, and I love playing with all of my players. Absolutely. It's not, I'm not saying that because. No, no. And, and everyone, everyone has completely different things they bring to the table. I just think she does a very good job. Really that whole group yes. um, does a very good job of, I mean, even though they do have their silly moments, um, they really play things seriously and play things mm-hmm. as a character, not metagamed, not, uh, not mm-hmm. looking for some sort of personal thing, but they're all building that story and, and buying into the horror. Yeah, um, and and I and I actually and, and I agree. I, I think that there was a couple of things that I suppose enabled that to happen. One, I think it was, it was it's because it's a much smaller group. It's just the three of them, so the dynamic is a little bit easier to manage. When you've got five players and a GM, it can be a bit you don't get as much spotlight time each character character development maybe isn't as deep um uh, it's more this bouncing bouncing off each other like playing sending tennis playing a tennis match of of verbal jousting and jokes and things like that but but also the the intention going in and i i i I don't think I actually sat down with them and said, I want to play a serious game and let's be serious about it. It just sort of happened. Um, now, Archie, who plays in that game, who who, who played, plays William Yorick, who is a sort of, he, of the three, he's the most comedic character, but he also goes dark <laughs> into the, the horror. the gravedigger? The gravedigger, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, he had his elements of, of, of comedy, but yeah, it was a very dark, weird comedy and very like... There was the Shakespearean element that kept coming in because he was mm-hmm. the grave digger, like that whole thing. Um, yeah, that that whole that whole thing played really well. 
but he's been equally silly as the rest of us when we've played in in other groups he, he's played ah, a couple of times okay. in, in other so i i think it's also the chemistry between the individual players as well that there's something that Absolutely. happens in each group that that kind of sets the tone and it's you know i wouldn't like to call it group think but that's kind of what happens is you you somehow get to this point where everyone knows what the vibe is and you kind of go along with it yeah so yeah. your your suggestion i think when we chatted online was to be really clear up front that that's what we're going to try and do for for what you know if we do do that as an story arc or a you know one shot or whatever just to see if we can that we have to be completely explicit up front and say we're not going to play this one for laughs we want your characters to react in in ways that that generate tension horror fear um empathy um, because I think that's where I was going with the, it's the reaction of the character, because when you can empathize with what that person's going through, that that makes things far more hor horrific than just yeah. seeing endless ciphers being kind of executed on screen by a serial killer. It's when you, you know, when you're in the cupboard with Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, that's fucking terrifying. Um, but when it's just a random teenager getting sliced up, it's not that scary it's just kind of huh, a shock maybe a jump scare and then some blood so yeah yeah so yeah um now i don't think that the, the question you asked me as well which is really interesting <laughs> is have you ever listened to an actual play that's made you scared you asked me that question didn't you yeah um i would say yes. So <laughs> uh, I haven't sent you the the, the link yet, or, or the or a way to listen to it, um, but I will, because strangely enough, the horror comedy podcast that inspired me that still is a horror comedy podcast, How We Roll, they have this Patreon only series for Cult Divinity Lost, which I'd never heard of before, or I might have heard of it, but I certainly had never. I didn't know anything about it. I don't, have you? Have you? Do you know anything about cult? No, no, no idea. So, cult. It seems to be that the setting, not really the setting, because it could it could be in any time or place, but the the setup in a way seems to be really designed to create truly horrifying stories. Um, it's it doesn't sound that promising when you hear about it because it's about these. Um, like horrific angels, these like uh, it's this type of deeply rooted in in um, uh, I guess religious symbolism, but but like on the very horrific end. It's like it's like what, yeah, say, like what the, angels really were exactly the covered in <laughs> eyes and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, the exactly. It's it all comes from there, and um, they're not really you know they're not good or evil they're just these horrifically powerful forces that are just there to sort of corrupt you as a human um, hmm. uh, um and the stories that, it, that it, it provokes or creates are ones where even more so than call of cthulhu each one there is no escape for the protagonists it is literally just a spiral downwards into madness and destruction and um, the way they play it out in how we roll actually got me um, 
it's disconcerting it is disconcerting listening to it so yes it can be done and it's the same players the only difference so so scott plays in it he's played twice i think um joe trier who actually is the generally is the gm in, in how we roll but is also a player he plays in it and, and a cup, i think one or two of their other regulars play in it but it's run by Craig, a guy called Craig from Red Moon Roleplaying, which is a mostly a D&D podcast, but also they do horror. And he is great <laughs> at mm. making it creepy. He makes it creepy as fuck. And it's partially his voice, partially his language, partially the events that he creates. And, uh, you know, there's no... The weird thing is there's no production on it because it's as a as a patreon exclusive they don't really edit it i don't think or at least they don't edit it very much there's certainly no there's no music there's no sound effects but it's creepy as hell and so that makes me think two things one yes it can be done two you don't need the i don't know the the furniture of horror to make something scary the you don't need the all the stuff that you think maybe you you should be putting in sound effects and creepy yeah i am actually this is counterintuitive because i make a lot of sound effects and do a lot of that kind of editing stuff but i am definitely of the opinion that i think the sound effects a lot of times take something away for for a couple of reasons one um sound effect beds to me um Frustrate, frustrate me for some reason. Ooh, sorry. Frustrate me for some reason. Um, because you get um, it, it, it messes with the timing to me. Mm. Um, if you have yeah. a sound going in the, the background, especially with with you doing an actual play over it, because there are things necessarily that have to be done out of character, and so the sounds that are taking place don't really match up to a real time for the world around them. And to me, that pulls you out of the um, the action a little bit. Um, mm. uh, and and then the other part is that sound effects, um, as much work as I've put into some of the sound effects I've done, it just there's always the tendency for them to just feel a little over the top, especially when they come in come and go. Like there's no sound effects for a while, and then there's a gunshot, and there's a loud gunshot. Um, we do that because it punctuates action and things like that. But I don't know that it's always, especially if you're trying to go for a more serious tone. Um, I don't know that it's the best way to create. Um, but at the same time, if you're trying to be to be very immersive, then it's weird if you know a gun is fired and there's no sound of a gunshot. Um, so it, it, you kind of have to make a choice on like where you want to go with that. To me, I think. Lovecraftian horror is much more frightening when there's no guns involved. <laughs> yeah, but you try telling the players that. I, mean, <laughs> I am a player. And, you are a player. And, and, and You've in, just hang on, hang on, I, hang on. In the last session, you went off to buy some fucking guns. <laughs> we we actually didn't have time, so I just submitted my shopping list. So so actually, you cannot yet. complain. You cannot but complain. It's, um, it was not. Yeah, a, you're right. It you're was right. just enough for everyone to have two guns. <laughs> I mean, you're from one, Texas. One pistol and one rifle. That's that's like 
that's that's minimum that's the minimum you're you're allowed to have in texas is two yeah we we really don't want to have this conversation on recording because i i actually have a lot of things i need to talk to you about how we need to kind of tweak the rules to make some of those weapons work um those are purposefully <laughs> bought for specific reasons and some of them are not going to play well with the rules we're going to get extra shots and things like that just letting you know ahead of time oh for fuck's sake but um but you're right actually um if we're trying to create true horror part of part of horror is is helplessness yeah yeah so if you have competent characters that can shoot their way through 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 out of everything then that immediately go takes that off the table that they're not helpless they're 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 very much protagonists not victims <laughs> you know um, and, maybe, yeah. and that's good for the game I think it's good for the fun that we have around the table and for having players have the characters survive and you know um you know feel, feel like they've won <laughs> beaten the scenario um but it, i don't it, know i it... think that i think barney feels like he wins every session he's in and he dies all the time <laughs> so i don't think you have to live to win true 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 so I'm starting to think that, you know, you're, I, I think you're right about these spot sound effects. I like putting them in because they make the podcast feel more professional, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I have a lot of fun. So just so everyone knows, TJ edits, currently you're editing Masks of Nalathotep and the Surrey Gang and the the old farts, as we call them. You're now yes. an honorary old fart because you're joining the next uh, campaign. You've joined the next campaign. Yeah. So you honorary should Honorary old fart. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, great company. I, I guess we're going to have to change it because now Nikki has joined and that just feels, it feels, you know, I mean, can't we now. just call it the, the White Dwarf series? Yeah, Are we can. Copyright issues can. with calling it that? Um, we can call it that. I, I mean, White Dwarf doesn't exist. Anymore. Oh, it, does it exist? I, I just saw a, a sign on a closed game shop in Burleson, Texas that said White Dwarf sold here. Right, of course, because it's all Warhammer 40K stuff, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, White Dwarf as it once was doesn't exist anymore. We can call it the White Dwarf Sessions. Okay. Um, um, sure. So, um, so you edit that, and as well as numerous other ones in the past, and I'm editing the Berlin cycle. Um, yeah. Interesting enough, I edited the first White Dwarf game, didn't I? I think I yeah. did Walberswick. Yeah. So, I, I, it, and the reason I'm, as I said, right at the top, why I want to talk to you is I feel that the work that you've done on Surrey has produced some of the best episodes that we've ever made. And I know you're going to say you always say that, Andy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I <you> mean, <laughs> but I mean, shouldn't we get better with time? I mean, it would be sad if we were, if, if like our next one was like, oh, that wasn't as good. <laughs> Nope, nope, Surrey's still the best. Like, guess you're not going to top that, bro. But there's also recency bias, which I'm sure plays a plays its True. part. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. You know, actually going back and listening to those King and Yellows, which are so long ago now, they're still pretty damn good. They're yeah. still pretty damn good um, for many reasons. You, but you know why? But anyway, it, <laughs> we're really getting far afield. It had its own original theme song. <laughs> Just saying. It did. It did. That, which that, now um, we... that you're using for this without asking me for permission, I noticed on, on episode one. Interesting, interesting choice. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, I do want to have the 
expedition sound. Uh, no, no, it's perfect. Song. It's perfect. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but but I'm happy. You can to edit all this editing. out. Uh, no, I don't edit these. Um, <sighs> Why don't you edit these, man? Because we spend so much time editing the actual plays. I really, you know, when you record a conversation, it it's fine. Fair. It's, it's fine. fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Unless you say something really racist, which you know I know you're prone to doing from time to time. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> that's a joke. Only, that's a, only that's a joke. But I'm only drinking brandy. It's this is a cocaine-free <laughs> night, bro. So we're good. We're good. Um, sorry, sorry, guys, listeners. TJ has never said anything racist in his entire life. I can attest to that because I've got the recordings. Anyway. Um, so I've, I've been really enjoying editing Berlin, hugely enjoying editing it because I really enjoy creating this soundscape of fine of 1920s Berlin and finding the sound effects and finding the songs, the German cabaret songs. It's, it's been, it's been, that is great fun, but I think you're right. It takes away, it takes away the buildup of horror and, you know, putting the gunshot in, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not like you're sinking it to a, a picture uh, to a video piece of video where someone fires a gun you're sinking yeah. it you're trying to figure out where can you put it in this one minute section where the gm says okay you fire three times can you now roll uh, okay you've hit twice and two bullets hit home and you've done you know where in that sequence do you put i, I try and put it right after you say you fire three times but even that's not satisfying because then it's got all this other stuff that happens around the gunshots that you have I no yeah. I really feel this kind of brings up a bigger point, but I really feel that this if you want a more serious product, combat has to be minimized. Hmm. Yeah. I think uh, getting away from that somehow, and I know that's part of the game, but it doesn't I mean, either they're going to lose and they're going to die, which ends the story. Mm-hmm. and you're ending the story with combat or they survive and they kill something that shouldn't have been able to be killed i mean i i it feels um i guess i mean it's a game it feels gamey it feels yeah um uh, less narrative it's less about horror it's less about the tension and when you hear a good like audio drama um it's the minimalist ones that are that really hit home uh what was the one they made it into like a netflix or hbo series but it started out uh, homecoming did you mm. ever listen to homecoming no it's it's all told um it's a sort of suspense ish kind of story i won't you should listen to it it's not really horror but it's definitely entertaining and it's all told through a series of sort of real-time conversations. So sometimes it'll be a phone call where you can hear both ends of the phone call, or sometimes it's a conversation, but people are walking. But the sound effects are just the basic kind of sound effects you would hear in those places. It just sounds like the live background for that conversation. And those kind of that kind of setup will feels much more visceral and real than anything we try to sort of create out of of, of sort of fantasy or sci-fi or fiction or horror. Well, given that it's got Oscar Isaac, David Schwimmer, Amy Sedaris, and David Cross in it, I'm not bloody surprised. Yeah, and the voice <laughs> actors were okay, but I thought the audio <laughs> production really made it. I just looked it up. I'm going to have to listen to it. It's actually um, pretty good. It's actually pretty good. 
so the ones I name check on my, the last episode, um, they're all really worth listening to, especially the so left I, right game. I listened to a good chunk of a random episode of one of those today, just to get a feel after I listened to your episode. I won't say which one. Okay. Let's not name drop which one. I was not as impressed as you. Because you can't remember. You. You I, know, I, know, I know exactly which one, but I was okay. not as impressed uh, as, as you were. Um, I felt huh. it was a little bit hokey. Huh. I honestly felt it was a little bit hokey. Um, Interesting. Was that and, the... and felt uh, the voice acting felt, there were a couple of lines that I thought they nailed, but there was a lot of things that I was just like, mm, yeah, this feels like bad RP. Like, like this feels mm. like, like kind of hokey role-playing, not good voice acting. Was um, it the white room? Was it the white vault? I'm not going to say which one it was. I'll tell you <laughs> offline. Like, I'll tell you offline okay. which one it was. Well, look, I, I, look it's <laughs> no skin off my nose, but I... I don't I, want to insult I, anyone else, though. Like, No, no, that's fine. I mean, I I, I personally think that the White Vault is really good, and but sometimes the voice acting is really not good, you know, um, and, and it shows. But but anyway, whatever. We, we're not going to go to specifics. <laughs> but but um, so... I guess let's, my, my contention a, was I don't think... Considering they're doing fiction, audio fiction, and you're doing audio actual play of a role-playing game, I don't mm. think you're as far away from some of those episodes and, and sound quality and production and things like that as you think you are. Now, I understand mm. there's things like people having bad mics um, yeah. and stuff like that, and we can get into that whole conspiracy later because I'm pretty sure that that has to do with big, big, big magnet um, and, and microphone sales. <laughs> um, I've been listening to a podcast. I don't know if you know about this, but I've been listening to a podcast that talks about this conspiracy, that there's a lot of people out there um, that are actually just AI created bots that are <laughs> running role-playing like actual plays and trying to coerce others into buying better microphones. And it's all part of this um, Slavic East, East European um, group that's trying to uh, sort of engineer a, a magnet shortage. They've been doing it since the, um, the, the late aughts. After the signing, have you ever heard of the Magna Carta? They, they call it the Magna Carta. It was like this agreement that was signed overseas um, where they basically set up. It's I, I've got the documents. Um, it's going to come out. I, I can't wait. And, you know, apparently, apparently, because I did do some research <laughs> on this, what they're trying to do is get all the magnets into North America. Because when that happens, yes. that'll send the Earth spinning off its axis and go crashing into it, the it's moon. Gonna, they're trying to flip the magnetic pole is what they're trying exactly. to do. They're trying to flip the magnetic pole. Because really, okay, the, the north, the actual north is actually south. I don't know if you know that. But south is the one that's actually the stronger pole, right? Well, they're trying yeah. to get it flipped to north. So they're sending them all to North America. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're ba exactly. It's basically going to flip it to Greenland. And yeah. then all hell breaks loose. I, I think I heard that on the Alex Jones show as well. I don't think he's even like touched this. I don't think he's if he's if he's talked about this, he doesn't actually believe it. <laughs> but you could say that about pretty much everything he says. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I thought we were going to stay on topic, but we can't, can we, TJ? We can't stay on topic. So let's. No, I want to rewind you. I want to re re rewind. Can you do like a record scratch with your voice? No, no, nor can I. So. You talked about the difference between doing a drama and doing an actual play. And we have a friend called Joey Richter mm -hmm. who has strong opinions about this. He is the one of the um, founding members or one of the group who make Wheel or Woe, mm -hmm. um, an actual a Pathfinder 2. 
an actual play, very popular one. They don't, they're on hiatus now. And he has a real problem with this blurring the line between an actual play and a drama. He doesn't like the actual plays where the game doesn't appear, where they right. cut out all the dice rolls and, and make it Be- too because much he's like jealous a drama. Of, he's jealous of having a good editor. <laughs> he didn't have a good editor. So he's like, no, you need to leave it all in. It's, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Joe Richter is a jealous guy. Uh, he, um, he, I mean, yes, but let's put that aside because I think he has a point. <laughs> no, I he does. He, I think um, he has a point that, that really, if you're trying, like you're falling in between two things, if you're trying to make it too much like an audio drama, because you're not, you haven't got the setup to really do it properly because you don't have scripts. So there's a lot of, um, you know, f- flubbed lines, you could call it. There's a lot yeah. of unnecessary stuff the the pacing is completely in the lap of the gods um you can't yeah it's interesting um i i guess you have to think about like who your audience is um if you're doing an actual play of a game that doesn't get played much um or a game people might be interested in learning then you're you do want to leave a lot of stuff in because a lot of people are going to look up a podcast they're trying to learn a game and they will look up actual plays of that game to try to learn the game by listening to other people play so if you're mm-hmm. cutting all that out for those sort of games, that's going to cut out a, par- a portion of your audience. So that's true. But if it's a game like Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, it's been around. There are all kinds of actual plays out there doing that already and leaving it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, those are available for those people. If you wanted to try to go to a higher quality narrative, I think you would find a market for that. Yeah. I, I think you would. I think you would. But a little part of me thinks, are we somehow not being um, respectful enough of the game that we're playing if we do that, if we try and disguise the fact that it's a game. I mean, probably, but I'm not real big on respecting inanimate objects. Um, I, have no, <laughs> I have no feelings for this game. Um, I, enjoy the, I enjoy the narrative, but maybe that's just me. And, and I, it's, not my, it's not my art, really, right? I'm, I, I am sort of tangentially connected to this thing. I, it's not mine. Uh, like it is yours. It's not yours, but you've put your imprint on it very heavily by editing and creating the atmosphere for a lot of them. So it's true. I, this I is was, true. Uh, you know, and we've talked in the past about editing and about what that can do to the meaning or, or just the, the, the how you understand what's happened during the session. I don't want to go into that again because that is a whole other podcast and yeah. you probably should at some point. But I want to finish with just talking about one thing which is about creating this feeling of dread in the listener Mm -hmm. um you're saying do you think sound effects actually are counterproductive there um i think you're probably right um i was listening to the overuse of sound effects i think sound Mm. effects can be good but they yeah it depends on the situation it, I, yeah, I'm so wishy-washy on this, and I apologize, but I, it's okay. It's I could okay. go on um, and on about when and where and how, but what were we, you going to we ask? Probably, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was the thing that drove it home to me, actually, was listening to the final parts of the Salem's Lot BBC radio adaptation, which I reference also and is really worth listening to. Um, so the bits when they're fighting vampires are the weakest bits because all you hear is screaming and crunching and sound effects. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you can sort. And at that point, your ability to visualize what's happening just 
is goes out the window. You you cannot visualize that yeah. point what's happening. And all of these audio dramas suffer from that. The moment of that would be the highest action in the movie is the weakest part of the audio drama because you've no idea what what you're seeing because there's no dialogue, there's no narrative. It's just sounds. So I think you are right, but we have this strange added bonus of there being a narrator through the whole thing. There's never just a moment where there's noises and action. That, that just doesn't yeah. happen in our yeah. actual plays because you have both the, the players narrating what they're doing and the GM narrating what the what's happening in the world. So it's kind of an interesting cross between a story being told and a drama. Interesting. Yeah, and there, I, I wonder, I would, I'd like to ask you, I don't know how many actual plays you've listened to, probably a lot more than me, because you do your well, research. A lot. A lot, yeah. Um, how many actual plays do you think they take? They do second takes. I don't think they do. In in any of them, not, none that I've do. listened to. I do. I, I mean, I don't know enough about the process to. to... Um, so I, I know, and I, I, I'm the, not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, uh, on a on a first take. Uh, I've, I've played with a lot of people that are really solid gamers, but on first take, a lot of people stumble here and there. And um, I, I do a lot of editing that stumbling out, but mm. um, there, there are certain actual plays where I get the feeling that they do sort of a, let's improv one take, mm. and then they replay the scene. Okay, maybe. Um, the ones... I listen to I don't think do so to go back to how we roll again the reason I know this, I, yeah, I don't think they do yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well we don't need... yeah, yeah 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 hey yeah. listen you're playing with Scott so just be polite dude no no and I, I mean, I the way that you said an... that I didn't mean that as a negative on <laughs> on how we roll um I just don't think well for one when I talk about people stumbling through lines I've never heard Scott stumble through anything uh, he's no, he always he, has the line ready to go and he will expound for as long as you will let him like he's amazing uh yeah he does a, a very good job but um i just i just wonder and um hey, this is probably blasphemy but i just kind of wonder like some of the people i've gamed with and some of the amazing things they've come up with what would a second take sound like <laughs> fascinating i i i think at that point you would have to have real, really dedicated players who were there to make the podcast, not there to have the game. Yes, because yes. then you're 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 kind of you're you're making the game takes back seat to the recording, and that's I don't think I don't think I want to do that, and I don't think my players want to do that personally. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I well, I think it. Yeah, I think you have you're you're right. You have to have players that almost want to play it as actors. But I think you might have some players that would be interested in that. I just don't think mm. any one full group would be interested in that potentially. Yeah, because um, then it becomes like work, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like okay, so can mm. we can we can we take that line again? So so here's the halfway house, and I, I'm sure you've noticed me doing it quite a bit recently um, over the last more is that if a line gets buried or flubbed or overtaught, I will, I will say it again. Like yeah. when no yeah, one yeah. else is over talking and I do that just instinctively now because I know I'm thinking, okay, this will be a, a pain to edit. I'll just say the line again. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, and that's, that's one thing or, and uh, yeah, I've heard 
times where you'll say like, Hey, could you say that again? Clear. I think a lot of people were talking, I yeah. couldn't quite hear you or whatever. And just yeah. gives them a chance to give that, that clear version of kind of the direction. Yeah. Cause you know, it's important to the narrative. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's something that would ever happen, but I would really love to hear one of your groups mm. like play seriously and mm -hmm. basically create an audio drama as they go based on the game they played. Hmm. So like play a scene, think of, okay, think of Tales from the Loop. Mm -hmm. And think how quick and snappy some of those scenes were. And then imagine getting a second chance to kind of, once, once two people that were having a scene had felt out the beats of that scene, what a second improvised take might sound like or what new gold you might uncover the second time around. I think you need people that are actually pretty good actors to do that because I think most people wouldn't necessarily be better on a second take if they're not. I, I think some people would be and others wouldn't. And it very much depends on their abilities to, because you kind of need to reincorporate what you said, but do it better. And I think that's tough for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But I think you, you'd be good at it. <laughs> yep. And Maybelline, I mean, Maybelline, she, she should have had her own show, really. But you were just coming up with random bullshit. But it could have been so much. Yeah, you're right. If you'd have had a second take on those, that would have been well, even but, better. But, like, that's the thing. Like, you prep as a GM. I prep as a player. So the day before a game, I'm going around talking to myself in my head like Maybelline Ruckett, <laughs> thinking of things that Maybelline Ruckett might say. And then when, they, when there's Amazing. chances for them to come up, then those things come out. There's all kinds of things that Maybelline Ruckett says that you got never got to hear because we didn't, you know, just didn't come up in conversation. So I think we've talked mainly about how the performances and the individual players and the GM can try and create this, this vibe. And I think it's right that we've talked mainly about that because I think that's where most of the heavy lifting gets done. That if you don't, if you are having the kind of laughter and the jokes and you're not kind of trying to create this sense of dread between you as a group, I don't think you can manufacture it in the edit. It just, it's not, it won't be there. You won't have anything to work with, but what do you think? And we'll, we'll finish with this because we've run a bit longer than I thought we were going to. What do yeah. you think from a audio <laughs> design sound design point of view, what do you think is then the ideal or, or a good, good way to, to amplify that dread, that horror? Yeah, that's, that's a question I'll have to chew on. I think. Um, because yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer and I think the best way to find out would be, um, to personally go and listen to a few of these, uh, like, especially some of the ones you suggested in the last episode and kind of get a feel for what they're doing with sound, um, and, and how they're making that work because there, there's, there's so many pitfalls you can fall into, but also I don't know that, I guess it depends on the content. Um, I think some things would be quite terrifying just delivered straight with, a, with no sound effects, but, um, a big part of it to me is just how it's verbally delivered, um, and where you leave that blank white space, where there's the long mm. pauses, where there's gaps, um, that when, uh, something terrible happens, that there's just a maybe a gasp and then a pregnant pause, um, but not anyone, you know, making 
a you know black knight legless and armless joke <laughs> like you know like some python reference or uh some pun or one-liner or things like that that's gonna break up the um kind of destroy that suspension of disbelief um and and, and you're right you're right you're right to, to, to kind of tell me that that my laughter response actually is a, is a way of releasing that tension, deflating that tension. And I'll really think about that if we do this serious one, that I'll try not to laugh after each horrible moment. <laughs> um, it's, it is a defense mechanism, I guess. So now, final question, because I've been thinking about this. We laughed more than probably any other moment in any game that I can remember. But when Barney's character, um, Sir um, Hector Risby Ickwell, got killed by the famous five's dog timmy there was something hor also horrible about it do you what do you think um or was it just stupid and funny i i don't know i don't know it was it was so off the wall i don't know who the famous five are so i just it replaced famous five with the boxcar children that's an americanized yeah young adult novel series so I, i'm guessing it's something similar um it yeah it seemed goofy and strange and yet it was so final like he was just dead and everyone yeah. had to deal with that and you could kind of hear some remorse from barney kind of like yeah man, i'm really really dead here huh um <laughs> uh but It wasn't horror. Yeah, there was nothing scary about it, but it was kind of no, like, it no. was a shock. It was a bit of a it shock. It was a shock that he was dead. Yeah. And you had this character. He had been there from the, the first series, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that kind of thing. The character deaths are a, a shock. I also think when, when it's so comical, no one's attached to the characters. If it becomes cartoonish and madcap, um, yeah. everyone's, everyone is, it will even enjoy if So when he died, everyone really enjoyed the kind of funny farcical death that he had. Yes, Whereas true. there wasn't as much, they were all joking around about like leaving him up on the hill. And then they, uh, they put like a coat over his face and all this. Like everything was just a joke though. Every, yes. Everything was delivered yes. humorously. No one really cared that Sir, was it Hector? Sir Hector, Hector had, had died. No, no one really <laughs> seemed to care. And, um, <laughs> That's because he was uh, mainly a hated character. <laughs> mainly they all hated him because <laughs> he was an asshole. But, um, fair, but fair. yeah, there was something shocking about it. And that has made me realize that even in the most silly of moments, you can still get this lurching, this lurch from one mood to another. And, and that gives me encouragement to think we can do this. Yeah, I, I, I would be very interested to hear a really tone set, mood set, sort of, maybe it's goofy, but hey, wherever you are, if you don't mind, and you're able to, turn your lights down a little bit. Like, let's mm -hmm. get in the mood of, this is it. When the first time I played Call of Cthulhu, um, and the only time uh, in my teenage years, a friend of mine said, hey, I've got this role-playing game. You play Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I said, yeah, because I've been playing two, second edition with my friends. And said, I got this role-playing game we're going to play. Uh, you should come over. So I was like, okay. And went over to um, their house and 
everyone smoked various things. And then they put on Black Hole Sun on CD. Mm-hmm. It just come out. First time I'd ever heard Black Hole Sun. So that was an experience. And then they turned out the lights and lit an oil lamp. And we sat down mm-hmm. and played Call of Cthulhu. There's something to be said for setting the stage, right? Um, and not that anyone listening to an actual play is going to hear any of that um, or see any of that. But I think it would come through more in the mannerisms and the actions of the players. That's interesting. Or maybe it's so, just kind of some, you know, fruity hippie idea I've got. No, no, no. It's I fine. think it's right. It's I mean, you it. know the game. You might, You know the game. Ten Candles, I assume. Yes. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I've, heard of it. I've, never it, it, I've heard of it. I've never played it either, but it works. You know, these things work because we're still pretty primal animals at heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Seeing the dark with a flickering candle. Now, unfortunately, I can't because it's it's fucking eleven in the morning for me. But I guess as the GM, <laughs> as the GM, uh, in a way, in a way, I, I'm the puppet master, so I don't have to be scared. I, my job is to make you scared. This is true. This is true. You know, if you're scaring me, then something pretty interesting and weird and, and great is happening. Like, yeah, I don't know how that would happen. And I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> so listen, so listen, we are making a pact now, okay? Right here, live in stereo. Um, we are making a pact. We will do at some point soon a serious attempt to to record a, a scary actual play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm down with that. And um, you, you know my, my suggestions. We kind of mentioned earlier today. We're at 57 minutes, so we probably gotta cut yeah. this short. But um, we do. You, you mentioned using modern. Um, yeah. And that, that's interesting. That's, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'll tell you how why. That would, I tell you how why? that would work? Should I tell you why? I think that when you do the 1920s it becomes a bit too cartoonish in a way mm-hmm. because you're kind of putting it through this filter of all this other media and, yes. you know, and, and the kind of, it becomes a, a bit more, I don't know, pulpy possibly is the right, possibly one way of looking you, at it, but also tropey and all You that also probably kind of see it in your head in black and white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're going to, you know, the, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that just somehow, I think in, with modern horror stories, and also I think the horror stories from the 1920s are more, they're not as horrifying in a way. I don't know. They're like, we're talking about the universal monster pictures era. and um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like uh, horror wasn't that horrifying back then. Now Ooh, there was lightning. <laughs> there was a flash. I'm scared. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, it, we're not bound by that. We can do whatever we want. But somehow... Right. In my head, I'm thinking, if we put you in a really uncomfortable modern situation with with characters that you can relate to because they're modern and they you'll you'll know much more about them because they're you know you're playing I don't know a parking attendant or a school teacher in a in a um, you know in a state school I, I can't remember, I don't know what they're called in America um, you know <laughs> you know you know what these people are like because you're much closer to them so you you can then empathize with them and feel them more and maybe I'm wrong about this but um, I get the sense that you could you could do more creepy stuff 
No, I, I think that's that's valid. And the biggest part is is messing around with or getting outside of that technology comfort zone, and finding ways to make yeah. those phones not be helpful and things like that, um, which is not difficult to do and can be part of the fun in and of itself. So, I think the hardest thing actually is is that in most horror setups, it's usually one person or at most two against whatever's going on. And in the game, yeah. there's five of you or four yeah. of you. So that, that actually reduces the horror a bit because you've got more support, you've got more, um, and maybe you need to do it with like just two players. That might be another, you know, two players in the GM. Interesting, interesting. Or even have there be multiple players, but they're all doing different things that sometimes or, come together and sometimes don't. Or have a couple of players that actually play NPCs <laughs> who are not the players. <laughs> yeah, that. so here's an interesting thing from some, something we were talking about earlier when you were talking about the, having a narrator um, uh, for action and things like that. And um, it really kind of makes me think of something I've thought about many times in the past of like, why do we only ever have one uh, game master? Mm -hmm. and five players why is that the dynamic um and i think it's because it comes from like a game and you've got one team trying to win but that that makes sense in dungeons and dragons where you're di delving down into a uh dungeon and you're kind of playing this almost board game to get treasure and bring it back home or whatever um but if you're playing call of cthulhu why wouldn't it make just as much sense to have a narrator you know, game master, keeper, whatever, hmm. that has NPCs, a stable of NPC players that are kind of, think of what you did with masks when you brought um, one of your players kind of in on the, on the yeah. story and had them play Zara. Yeah. Uh, as, as, uh, and, and instead of uh, trying to NPC that somehow yourself, you said, Hey, here's kind of how Zara will act, act like Zara, but do it as your character as she's inhabiting that character. Um, that's, it wasn't the most difficult thing to do, was it? No. I mean, no. And, and it, 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 she's a, a good player. It worked pretty well. So is it that big of a stretch of the imagination to have a couple of players that play different roles, kind of voice acting roles throughout the game that maybe aren't the protagonists? I, I, I think that could work. Uh, I mean, the only thing is it's a bit more work for all of you because you have to plan stuff in advance with, with, the, with, the, with the NPC um, players. Um, and maybe you only have one. Maybe you have one NPC, like you have a, a narrator and then an NPC player who plays all of the NPCs. Interesting. Uh, you could also just have sort of a red shirt situation where you just have someone that's constantly in scenes but they're the one that gets killed every time <laughs> oh i like that I designated like that. designated that, recipient yeah, that, of horror and that should be barney he's pretty and... good at it he's pretty good at it <laughs> no i just want to see him die again and again and again <laughs> what, why <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking all right and we have been going for an hour and four minutes so i'm going to stop the recording now so so thanks tj that was great that was really i think i think we only just scratched the surface of this um but we have an agreement we're going to take this forward and um for all the listeners who maybe haven't haven't really heard our 
who only really listen to the actual plays. I, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we're going to be doing more of these. I'll be talking to quite a few of the gang um, to, about all kinds of things. So uh, cool. You'll all be able to hear TJ very soon in our upcoming new White Dwarf session, Ghost Shackle Kill, where he plays a... Well, you'll have to see. You'll have to see. <laughs> That's a tease. Okay, good night, folks. Good night, folks. <laughs>